welcome to the first ever episode of the Arsenal Times podcast. I'm Ben Ashton and I'm joined by Hayden Emerson. Hello Hayden, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on for the first ever episode. Uh, Just to give you all a uh, quick brief overview before we get started. The Arsenal Times is a new website, blog, whatever you like to call it, um, dedicated purely to Arsenal coverage, which can be anything from news and opinions to analysis of how the team's performing, in-depth features and soon to be some interviews on the site as well. Uh, We've only recently just started but really enjoying it so far and already had a great response from fans on social media so thank you for everyone who's getting involved already. It's been some really good debates and good enjoyable stuff so far. Uh, In the podcast today we're just going to take a look back at how the season's gone so far, Unai Emery and who could replace him if he was to leave and the few positives we can take from what we've seen so far this season. So Hayden thanks for being on the podcast. Um, obviously a big Arsenal fan yourself. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, right, so I think we'll just get straight into it. Uh, the first thing we're going to look at is sort of how the season's gone so far. Um, but I think the place to start is is before the season had got underway itself um, and Arsenal's summer transfer business. How did you feel about the players we brought in at the time? Well, um, initially, I we we only signed... We signed Martinelli right at the beginning, before the transfer window even started. Um I don't know how how you felt about him, but he's an absolute nobody, really. He's a what is he, eighteen year old yeah, kid? Yeah, hadn't heard of him. No, yeah, fair. no one had really heard of him. Um, but to be fair, he's proven a lot of doubt is wrong. Um, yeah, he's been been outstanding. Yeah, he was he was sort of dubbed straight away as like the next the next best thing, and I was kind of thinking, well, he hasn't really played anywhere of note. I mean, he's played for Ituano in Brazil. I was thinking, mm-hmm. I'm not sure quite how someone can get that sort of reputation before the season's even begun but like you said to be fair to him he's hit the ground running hasn't he um, and yeah smashing left right, records left right and centre at Arsenal yeah yeah massively he's uh, in the mould of uh, a Suarez or a Guerra South African mm, uh, South, South American. American sorry not yeah. South African <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah South American striker yeah no I, I really like him um, and what I like about him as well <laughs> is that he's he's got the capability to play on the wing play up front and there's been a lot of talk about how he's not really a centre forward yet. When he's played up front, he's been absolutely well, electric. Yeah, um, he's you can't you can't. Well, you see his goal scoring record. He's been been firing them in, isn't he? He's second uh, top goal scorer for the club. He's well, only played about seven or eight. It's games. Unbelievable, isn't it? I know. Yeah, he has been featuring in the Europa League um, against Leicester opposition, but um, he's. He's, I'm sure he scored a few goals in the league as well, hasn't he? He's been no, not in the league, in the league cup as in well. League but cup. I mean, you're only as good as what's in front of you, and and there's been plenty of players that have come and gone at Arsenal before that have been put into those teams against supposedly lesser opposition and not done a great deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of credit where 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 he's due. But in terms of the overall team before the season was starting, obviously we bought bought William Saliba from Saint Etienne, and he's gone back on loan. That's looking like a a really positive deal as well from the things I've heard from France. Uh, yeah, so certainly positive. As <clears throat> at the beginning of the, as I say, at the beginning of the transfer window, it was we we did need a centre back. Um, so it was a bit, bit of a shock when he was being loaned back. Um, yeah. I think it was one of them though with with Saliba. It was kind of we know this guy's quality. We know really that the price we're paying for him was about thirty million pounds. Was was pretty reasonable given given the, the sort of prospect that he was and I think the Arsenal the Arsenal hierarchy at that point was so desperate to get the deal over the line it was kind of a case of well if we have to send him back on loan then at least we get that deal over the line yeah. but obviously at the time we bought him in and everyone was obviously 
really excited about the prospect of one of the most highly regarded young centre-backs in the world coming to Arsenal. But it was instantly sort of bittersweet, really, wasn't it? Because it was like, all right, we've got this guy, yeah. but he's not coming till next season. Then, obviously, the Lauren Koscielny situation blew up in the summer. Yeah. And he was desperate to leave. Yeah, that certainly um, came as a shock to me, personally. I didn't think he was going to be that way inclined. There must be something going on behind the scenes. We haven't really nothing's had... Nothing's come out, has it? No. Obviously, the club made a statement on it and said, you know, said at the time what, what their stance was on it. But for someone who'd had such a legacy at Arsenal, that was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, club captain. Um, I know we've had it in the past. <laughs> the curse of the captain, but, um, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, he's always seemed a very committed player and um, he's been involved in our recent cup win- FA Cup wins. Mm. Um, yeah, massive massive asset to the team. Well, he's been a stalwart, stalwart at the centre-back. Um, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. And and then did you see his shirt reveal as oh, well? I mean, that what, was, it was so so embarrassing, bitter, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you just think, after all the time at the club, what happened behind? Like you say, what happened behind the scenes for someone to have been at the club for so long, served the club so well, been so highly regarded among the fans? Everyone, I don't, I don't know really anyone who disliked Lauren Koscielny. No. We know he was prone to an error, and when you look back at some of the high-profile errors he made. The most recent one that springs to mind was the Atletico Madrid semi-final when yeah. he slipped over and Griezmann scored and it was just a, a calamity really. Um, but he was still a, a solid player and, and for, the, for the time he was there, probably our, our best centre-back we've had in recent years. Yeah, for a long time. Probably since maybe... Well, when Vermaelen came to us, he was a solid player and he sort of dwindled away and that's Never when really Koscielny took the reins. Yeah. Mm. So... There was that. That's weird because I, I felt at the end of the transfer window there was quite an air of positivity around the club. Obviously, we've got Raul Sanlehi here, and everyone's calling him Don Raul. And yeah. you've got Vinay at the helm with him, and Edu comes in as technical director, and everyone thinks he's going to have a good hand in helping Martinelli settle in and things like that. Um, but when you look back at it now, knowing what we've seen, you kind of think that that Koscielny issue has kind of set the tone for almost turmoil within the club so far this campaign really isn't it mm, yeah just quickly then so we brought in Danny Ceballos on loan from Real Madrid again I didn't know too much about him did you um, I'd heard a bit about him um, but yeah not not a lot I know he's played he, he, he didn't he wasn't a main feature for Real Madrid so I understand the loan um, but yeah since he's come in he's done a good job yeah um, he's highly rated but isn't hit, he? but hit and yeah. miss I think um, yeah his, his debut, I think it was against Burnley. Burnley, was yeah, he match, was brilliant, yeah. absolutely epic. Um, but yeah, since then, yeah, a bit hit and miss, really. Yeah, and then obviously we brought in record signing Nicolas Pepe, um, <laughs> and at the time, well, I think we were all absolutely buzzing, wasn't we? Weren't we? Because it yeah. was between him and Wilfred Zaha. Um, and I know a lot of fans were saying, well, you know, I know Zaha's proven in the Premier League, but Pepe's goal and assist record last year for a a supposedly average French side in Lille was pretty remarkable, wasn't yeah. it? To be honest, yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. You have got to weigh up those options, really. That I'm sure that's what they did behind the scenes. Wilfred Zaha, yeah, he is Premier League proven, but to be honest, his yeah, he scored goals, but not really enough still to warrant at the level you. He, for the, for all the praise he gets and all and all the hype around Wilfred Zaha, I, I still think his output isn't. At the level of what you know, the top elite players should be. He's still sort of 
got an average output for, for someone who's so highly rated, yeah. isn't he? No, no disrespect to Palace, but I think he is very much a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, it? well, we saw what happened when he was younger when he went to Man United, and I know that was you know different because he was a lot younger, but he, you saw that I think maybe that was a concern of the board, and also the asking price that Crystal Palace were demanding. They would, yeah. they wanted eighty million, didn't they? Yeah, most yeah, and I'm and sure they wanted the deal to be up front. They wanted a lot of the money it. up front, and I think ultimately Arsenal were trying to string together really shrewd, clever deals. I mean, when you look back at the deals we've done, Martinelli for six million looks like an absolute bargain. Saliba for thirty million, absolute bargain. Now they're coming out and saying, and Puel said it, hasn't he? He's he's, he's the ma- manager at Sevilla now, and he's come out and said, I can't believe we're selling our best player for so cheap. When yeah. you look at how well he's performing this season. Danny Ceballos on loan, another shrewd deal. And then, obviously, Nicolas Pepe has come in as the big money signing, but a lot of that deal is in instalments over the next few years. So I think the reason that we had to go for him in the end was because because Zaha, the the Zaha deal was going to be such a huge outlay initially, which I just don't think the club could afford. No. Um, well, there was that route. There was the rumor at the beginning of the season we only had forty-five million pounds to spend. Yeah. Well, when you weigh up the ins and outs, it's sort of yeah. about right. You think you know the the Pepe deal was sort of twenty million up front, and we've brought in Saliba, probably paying next to nothing for him yet. Um, you've got Martinelli for six million. You know that's twenty-five million, and you just sort of add up all the fees and, and the initial outlay, and then and the income we got from the likes of Awobi leaving, Mkhitaryan off the wage books. It's sort of probably about the ballpark we're in yeah, isn't yeah. it um, and then obviously David Luiz and Kieran Tierney that was a deal that dragged on for the entire summer yeah. finally got over the line <laughs> on deadline day or the yeah. day before uh, classic Arsenal leaving it to the wire um, but overall it looked as though obviously because like you said about Koscielny we lost the centre back we looked like we needed a centre back and you're quite a fan of David Luiz aren't you well um, you were I don't know if you well, still <laughs> you were oh yeah I've always uh, he's always been one a bit of a hothead, um, but I think sometimes you do need that in a team. Uh, but with erratic. him, him and Socrates at the back, it's a bit bit scary. <laughs> it is a bit of a disaster waiting to happen every five minutes, isn't it? And obviously I remember his first game that he played. I think he came into the side against Burnley for that home game, didn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the first things he did is whip a ball across the face of the goal yeah. about a yard out and you're thinking... Oh, crikey, this is, this is what we've got. But yeah, so going into the season, we obviously had some really good signings and it just felt positive. I don't know about you, I just felt really excited for the first time in a while. Obviously, we've got a new manager, just missed out on our targets last season, but it felt like everyone had forgiven Emery. Yeah. Everyone was like, okay, we just missed out, but let's clean slate, start fresh. We've got our new signings in. You know, Emery's sort of brought in some players that arguably you'd say he's had a say in. You know, these are guys yeah. that he wants in. He wanted a quality winger. We brought that in. He wanted a quality left back. You know, we've got that in Kieran Tierney. And obviously Danny Sabahs in the midfield is the kind of athletic box-to-box player he's looking for. So everything before the season um, was looking pretty good. Yeah, it? yeah, definitely. Um, but then the season started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah. To be fair, I mean, we went to Newcastle on the first day um, and we had a lot of injuries, a lot of players out, you know, Bellerin and Tierney obviously still not really fully, fully fit. So we sort of had a makeshift team, didn't we, going at the start of the season? Um, we got the 1-0 win at, at St. James's Park, thanks to a great goal by Aubameyang. And then we, we sort of 
ground out a performance against Burnley as well. Neither of those performances were particularly convincing. No, no. And it's not really how you want to start a Premier League season scraping results. I mean, they do say champions um, <laughs> <laughs> grind out a result when it matters, results, but when, yeah. you, when that's the start. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but at that point, I think after the Burnley game, I kind of looked at it and I thought, okay, two games, scrappy performances, but it's six points on the board. And that's six points more than we had at the the same stage last season because obviously we had City and Chelsea in the first two games which was a horrible set of fixtures for Emery to start with but I thought okay well regardless of the performances you know we've got six points then we went into the game at Liverpool and everyone was saying right this is this we're going to see what Arsenal are really made of and lo and behold we pretty much saw everything that we expected well to be fair um, going to Anfield they, they have been well they've just won the Champions League they've been brilliant for the last couple of seasons um i wasn't really expecting us to get a win at anfield to be honest with you um no. but yeah i i would have expected a, a better performance it was one of them i could see what emery was doing um i don't know if you watched the game at the time yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember thinking okay the setup is great um if if we can defend and obviously, we actually did okay in that game. We rode our luck a little bit, but there were a few chances. Pepe obviously came onto the scene, and I was really excited about him after that. Because I know he missed a couple of good chances, but he looked electric, didn't he? And yeah. obviously, he skinned Robertson for that chance. And if he buries that, and we do go 1-0 up, obviously, it looks like the game plan's working to perfection. Yeah. Um, and then there was also an Abamyang chance early in that game as well, wasn't it? And the keeper came out. And Aubameyang had a chance to stick the ball in and, and, and they managed to clear it. But it looked like, OK, we've come to Anfield, which is the toughest ground in the league at the moment, and we're making a bit of a statement. And I thought, I thought, OK, the performance isn't particularly convincing, but there's glimmers of hope there. Then we made a defensive error, concede from a set piece. Standard off. And then, and then pretty much capitulated at the second of... Uh, at the start of the second half, and, and your favourite player, David Luiz, pretty much had a stinker <laughs> in that second half. Would you give away a penalty and then uh, yeah. took, uh, left Salah, left the dead by Salah? Um, <laughs> but again, it was sort of okay, three games in, six points, lost at Anfield, wasn't humiliating. Yeah. You know. But it's, it's just everything since then has just got gradually worse, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're just looking at the fixtures and the results now and. You look at the performances and, and it's really hard, you know, league performances alone to actually pick out one game where we've had a complete performance. Yeah. You go through it, obviously <laughs> Spurs at home, found ourselves 2-0 down at half-time, terrible first half, excellent in the second half to be fair, pulled the game back to 2-2, should really have gone on to win the game. Yeah. Watford, same again, okay in the first half, 2-0 up cruising against bottom of the league yeah. <laughs> throw it away draw to all look like we're going to actually gonna lose the at game, the end of yeah. it clinging on for dear life against bottom of the league Watford who hadn't won a game at that point um, and, and this this is already at this stage I think we had the next game in the league comes against Villa now you were at that game um, yeah. can you just tell us a bit about what, what happened in that game obviously I watched it and everyone remembers but how did you feel about that game at the time well, to be perfectly honest, um, the first half was an absolute shambles. Uh, it was the first time I'd been to the Emirates that, uh, this season. This season, yeah. Um, so, obviously, wanted a good performance, um, and the first half was absolutely dreadful. 
I remember Probably one I remember of the thinking, it's <laughs> one, one of, of the, the worst, worst performances I've seen. Um, I mean, how many times have we said that this season well. <laughs> now? But at the time, at the time, it was like you know we've had the stumble against Spurs. The Watford game was terrible, and you're thinking, right, we've got to bounce back in this game. We threw it away at home, away at Watford. You can almost go, okay, at that point, we didn't know, we didn't know how good or bad Watford were going to be. That could be the kickstart of their season. Maybe surviving a draw there wasn't going to be a terrible result. But, but in my head, I was thinking we've got to recover at home to Villa. Yeah, we've got to put in a good performance. It was, it was the polar opposite, wasn't it? It <laughs> was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And what were we down to ten men? Down to ten men at half time. One yeah. nil down. Maitland Niles got the Maitland Niles got off at, at the time. I really wasn't sure whether it was. I still think it was harsh. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm not too sure about that still, but. Yeah. Either way, that was the situation we found ourselves in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and then in the second half, <laughs> what, a, what a chaotic game, really. It yeah. was like a game of basketball, wasn't it? <laughs> um, you know, so obviously we showed a lot of character. And, you know, old Wenger cliche there. Yeah. We showed a lot of character. Regardless of what you want to say about the performance, we showed a lot of character <clears throat> to keep fighting, get back in the game. We somehow won 3-2. Um, and 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 but what, did you feel positive after the game? Or it was um, I think at, at the instant result at full time was an air of relief. Yeah, massive, massively. Um, yeah, the celebrations around the stadium when the third goal went in, it was more, yeah, as you say, a relief than a joy. Yeah, thank was... thank God we haven't only drawn or lost at home to newly promoted Aston Villa. Yeah, essentially. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah, and it was that was the game where this whole discussion about the amount of shots we were conceding started coming to the fore. Yeah. So Arsenal essentially conceded more shots against their goal than any other team in the league this season. And Leno is top of the saves chart. You know, he's, he's making more saves than anyone else. And I think this was the point at which everyone was sort of saying, OK, this is a real issue now. Because we're not playing any outstanding sides at this point. Obviously, Spurs have had a torrid season. Watford are still down in the relegation zone. And Villa, obviously, going to be battling relegation this season as well. They're doing okay. But we're playing against sides there where we're allowing so many attacking opportunities against us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the performance just really haven't, haven't done a lot to, to give us belief, really, have they, since then? Uh, yeah, it's it's very strange, really. Um, we just the way we're set up, we look so vul vulnerable. Um, mm. <sighs> what do you make? What do you make then of of of, of Unai Emery? Then I think that's that's kind of what this is well, <laughs> getting onto, isn't it? Really, I mean, we all know what's happened since then. Um, the run of results have been terrible. Two wins in ten Premier League games. Um, six wins from our last nineteen Premier League games, if you include the end of last season. Yeah, that, is, that gives uh, us twenty four points. Is what we've had from our last nineteen games. Um, the projected points total is forty eight points, which gives you an average finish of eleventh, yeah. which I worked out um, and wrote on the Arsenal Times, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean that that is we we are literally performing at mid table level, borderline relegation form, and when you look at the table at the moment, we're seventeen points in sixth place. But we are only three points ahead of Everton, who are in fifteenth. Yeah. And we are closer <clears> to the relegation zone than we are the top of the table, which is all too a familiar a story. Yeah. Um, 
And when you look at it, I mean, nine points above the relegation zone and nine points behind Chelsea and Leicester, which is, you know, arguably who we're going to be challenging for in the top yeah. four. You'd, you'd imagine City, who are eight points ahead at the moment, will be back on Liverpool's tail at some point. They're likely to finish above Chelsea and Leicester. You know, yeah, fair yeah, to accept that Liverpool and City so, would be you? the top two. So at this stage, we're looking at, okay, Leicester and Chelsea is who we're chasing. And we're nine points behind them after 12 games. Nine points behind already. Um, and yeah, closer to the bottom end of the table than we are at the top. Do you do you see any sign that, that any that Unai Emery can turn this round? Um, well, it's difficult really because obviously after last season, he's come in and replaced Arsene Wenger. Never going to be an easy task. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, I thought when we first got him in, I didn't want. I didn't want to be like other teams where they bring a manager in, he doesn't perform well, and you just axe him. Mm. Um, so I, I said at the beginning, yeah, give him a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but now, <laughs> it is... Well, that's exactly how I feel, because even at the start of this season, it was sort of clean slate, as we said earlier. And I thought, okay, give him this year. Because yeah. he's got that optional third year, and I thought if he does well this year, then you can't not give him another year. And I was still quite positive at the start of the season, even when we had those dodgy performances, you know, Newcastle, Burnley, Liverpool. Even when we had those games, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, start of the season, let's just get our players back, let's get back to the fully fit squad. Um, And I, I don't know exactly what point I turned, but I think it was around the Watford game. Yeah. I think that game, when we were 2 0 up at bottom of the league, and we threw it away and we were clinging on for dear life I think that was the point at which I didn't give up on Emery but that is the first point I started thinking maybe this isn't going to work Yeah. maybe this guy isn't the man for the job um, but what do you think it is about about Emery that's not working what is it is it his style of management yeah. What can you pinpoint what he's trying to do and what's going wrong well the thing is, he's he's come in and we've expected him to shore up the defence and basically make us a more solid team. Uh, because Arsene Wenger, he was always a free-flowing, attacking football, loved the game. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem like Emery's come in and done that. If anything, we do look a bit more, as I say, vulnerable. Susceptible at the yeah. back. And that's the point. When he came in, we thought, okay, this guy is pragmatic, was the word that was banded yeah. about. He's pragmatic. Okay. If, let's say, for example, the football isn't going to be as entertaining, but um, he's, he's going to improve the defence and, and he's, going to, he's going to make us stronger at the back. Um, but when you, look, when you look at the statistics, it, his record is actually now worse than Wenger's last 50 games in the league. Yeah. Um, so the, I don't think now now there's no real <clears throat> argument for for oh we're going in the right direction um, things are going to improve and I think it's not even always about results is it at this stage now the results are terrible the results speak for themselves it's been our worst start to the season since since 1982 <clears throat> that speaks for itself yeah. that, that alone shows that we're not going in the right direction we are sixth in the table but with you know lose one or two more games 
God, Christ knows where we're going to find ourselves. I mean, it's getting to the point now where it feels as though the only the only way this we stop this rot is is to change change manager, doesn't it? Um, and well, like you said, I don't want us to become that kind of club. But what do you do at this stage? Yeah, um, it is a difficult one, really. Uh, as I say, we. Don't want to be a hypocrite or anything, um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's not looking good for us at the moment. No, not at all. Um, I think oh. I think you look at as well that the style of play as well. I mean, it's just it just feels like at the moment everything we're doing is so negative and and defeatist. Um, we're not we're not killing teams off. We you know we threw a two goal lead away against Palace, take away two set piece goals. Terrible performance again. I know we were robbed by VAR in that game. Let's not go into VAR this week. But we were robbed by VAR. But but ultimately, the performance wasn't good enough. You got the Wolves game at home. Again, leading in a game. Throw it away. Yeah. Leicester played us off the park. We barely looked like threatening. We had one shot on target all game. It's not improving. Whatever way you want to dress it up, it's not improving. And And in amongst all this, there's been so many issues in the dressing room that also... Are just creating a toxic atmosphere really you look at the Granite Xhaka situation what was your view on that um, yeah I didn't actually I didn't watch the game um, but yeah I was I was very shocked when I saw saw that crop up um, on the socials um, mm. yeah, it's not really the kind of reaction you expect from the guy that's just been major club captain yeah um, and I know and I know that you know in, in that sense that's not Emery's fault that's just an awful situation that's reared its head but I, I still feel he has to take some of the blame for what happened there the whole selection of five captains in the first place is bizarre yeah I do find that a very strange your classic that was always a captain and a vice captain yeah that, that for me already didn't make any sense then second of all not only does, does he have this whole five captains policy he then waits until well into the season to announce who the captain is going to be. Who is officially the and captain. It came to a point where it was quite clear that fans were not happy about the idea of Granite Xhaka, who arguably shouldn't even be in the starting eleven, was going to be named club captain. Yeah. There's so much... This, people were very divisive about him, but I think it got to a point now where most people were like, no, this guy's just really not good enough to be playing in the Arsenal midfield. And yet he was being touted as, as the captain... Then it happened, he gets made club captain, and it kind of felt like this was going to happen, a situation like this, sooner rather than later. But I think Emery has to take a lot of responsibility for that situation as well. He was the one who allowed that situation to get to a point where Xhaka was captain and the fans weren't happy about it. He could have named a captain at the start of the season, a safe bet. Yeah. He's now named Aubameyang captain. Well, and Aubameyang's one of the first names on the team sheet every week, so why didn't he do that? at the start of the season I just feel as though Emery's kind of digging his own grave little bit by little bit really with, with some of the decisions he's made yeah, yeah. You, you want your captain to be someone that's going to be starting every week Yeah. so judging on on that basis I know Leno's not really a uh, he doesn't seem like a captain to me but you know he's going to be playing bet. every week it would have been a safe bet and yeah. then of course Aubameyang um without a doubt first choice striker um, mm. yeah beyond that I mean there, there were a few a few people calling for Bellerin which I like the idea of that yeah but again 
he was coming back from injury when this was all happening. Yeah. So it didn't feel appropriate, really. And Aubameyang was vice-captain. He was yeah. the second captain in, in, of the five, so by by default, that kind of made sense that he was main captain. So I have no issues with Aubameyang being captain. It just feels like that's another thing that's now sort of almost being used as an excuse in recent weeks for the, the on-field performances, which really... I don't think it's big enough of an excuse for what's happened so far this season. So we'll, we'll get on again to Emery and potential replacements. If he's going to be sacked, will he, won't he be sacked? But before we do, I just want to get your opinion quickly. Do you think there's an argument that he's not entirely to blame? Do you think there's an argument that the squad in places just isn't quite good enough or isn't working hard? Have you seen any of that? Um, I, I don't really uh, see how... OK, as we have touched on, David Luiz and Socrates, they are very hot-headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got Chambers, who has slowly been being introduced into the fold um, yeah. as, as the centre-back with Socrates. He's been quite good as well. Yeah, yeah, he's been, yeah, really he's been impressed. Yeah, even at uh, full-back when he's Done played. Done a really good back. job. Um, yeah, so... Um, I don't really I don't really know... Um, to blame the team, um, I don't think. Do you think you think that the manager's responsible for how he's setting the team up and what the instructions he's giving them? Well, if, uh, well a manager's certainly got to take credit for good and bad results. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not just the results, the performance of the team, which quite frankly haven't haven't been good enough recently. The reason I ask this is because I was literally thinking about this today, actually, and I was thinking, okay, so. He's not playing the right system at times. He's not selecting the best players at times. That is his fault. Kieran Tierney should be playing at left back. I, I don't understand yeah. why Kolasinac is still getting put in ahead of him. Yeah. It, it, you know, if, if one of them should be playing a Europa League and one of them should be playing Premier League, it should be Kolasinac in the Europa League and Tierney in the Premier League. I think that's clear. Yeah. So I feel like we've got our players fit, but he's still not. He's still not got a set system. He still doesn't know how he wants the, the you know the go to formula. Is there's no go to formula. Yeah. There's no there's no consistency with the setup. So for him for him I feel he has to shoulder some of the blame because he's not he's not giving any consistency to the players. The lineup's changing every week, the system's changing every week, the formation's changing every week. He's dragging Pepe in and out of the team. Pepe was struggling for form. Yeah. He bangs two goals in the Europa League, finally looks like he's re- rekindled some confidence and now he's dragged him out of the team. Yeah, I do find that very, very strange. I don't know why he hasn't even... Has he even been brought on in any of the games? Didn't get brought on against Wolves. Only got brought on for 10 minutes against Leicester. Both in games where we we need a goal. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's to accommodate Ozil, but then you look at the shape and the system we played at Leicester. He had a Bamiyang and Lacazette pushing the full-backs. Yeah. And Ozil sitting in the middle. So we weren't really playing two up front. No. Uh, it's just... I think this is the issue people are having. I I don't see what he's trying to achieve. At least with Wenger, it was going wrong, but you knew what he was trying to do. Yeah. You knew he was going to play kind of a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, and he was going to try and win the game by playing attacking football. Yeah. And and that's what he was going to do. With Emery, it just feels like we're chopping and changing every week, and that to me smacks of a manager who doesn't know his best team and doesn't really know how to get the best out of the players and um, who should be playing and, and, and how to deploy them and I mean surely at this stage he should know that well he's yeah he's been here for a season and a half um, and 
Yeah. Managers have been sacked in less time. Well, yeah, exactly that. Um, it's he should he should have some sort of idea by now. Um, Absolutely. But I, I know he's had injuries to contend with. Uh, but every manager does, and you should be able to write down what your best team is. Wasn't really an excuse going into that Leicester game. I think that Leicester game was a real, real eye opener to where we are right now. In a yeah. pretty much fully fit squad. He went there and played a system we hadn't played all season. Mm. Played three at the back. Yeah. Which I'm not knocking it. You know, Leicester are a very good side. They're on form at the moment. They are, you know, one of the form sides. I understand adapting the system to a good opposition. But to play a new system for the first time this season, it just it just feels desperate. It's, it feels like he's trying a load of ideas and hoping one of them works. Yeah. And, and none of them are working at the <laughs> moment. And so before we go on to, you know, who could replace him should he be sacked? The only issue I wanted to raise really was about the central midfield. I, I'm not convinced about our central midfield, if I'm perfectly honest. I'm really not. Granit Xhaka clearly looks like he's probably never going to play for the club again. Yeah. So we, we disregard him. He's not, he's not good enough anyway, really, is he? No, no, I've never thought Granit Xhaka has been good enough. I thought it was a very strange one bringing him in initially um, and getting rid of uh, Cochrane. I think it was the following transfer window. Yeah. Um, not not a like-for-like replacement at all. No. Uh, Cochrane was a defensive midfielder and Xhaka was anything but. Yeah, doesn't seem to be able to operate in any role, really. Um, and then you've got um, Danny Sabias, who's coming on loan. Obviously, it's going to take time for him to adapt if that becomes a permanent thing. Mm-hmm. And then we've just got youngsters. We've got Lucas Torreira, Matteo Guendouzi, and Joe Willock. Yeah. And obviously we lost Aaron Ramsey, which looks like a big, big mistake now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look at the you know box-to-box quality number eights. We literally don't have any now. No, I think I think the idea was Sabias was going to fill that role, um, but it's always going to be difficult when Ramsey has been so good. So yeah, so consistent. brilliant in in recent years. Um, yeah, massive shame that he... I just think that is one area we are lacking because I looked at Guendouzi and Torreira against Leicester and I know the system didn't help them, but I just I just feel like we still missing that quality central midfield player. You see Ndidi on the other team for them. You see mm. Fabinho. You see De Bruyne at Man City. These are top class. Even Kovacic and Kante and Jorginho at yeah. Chelsea. These are all top quality central midfield players. I still feel we're missing that that real reliable guy Guendouzi's still really young and I, and I think he is going to come good but it's so much pressure to be putting on someone of his age he is going to make mistakes he's not going to be reliable Torreira's not getting used properly so it's really hard to judge where Torreira's at right now <clears throat> Yeah, because yeah. Emery's played him out of position so often then when he does play him in the cent- base of the central midfield we play five at the back so there's no protection in midfield anyway No, him and Guendouzi are getting overrun by three, three in midfield versus two in midfield so it just feels like at no point have we allowed the central midfielders to perform to the the ability, and and I just I just don't I'm not sure whether we have the quality in central midfield, and maybe that's one of the underlying issues. And we're so poor at the back, and it's so easy to get through the lines. I I just I just think that that's it is actually a bit of a concern at the moment. Yeah. Joe Willock's still very young. You can't expect him to perform consistently week in week out. So you look beyond that. Our, our whole, every option we have in central midfield at the moment is 
not questionable because that's harsh because Gwen Doozy's been good and Torreira we know can be good but none of them performing to the level where you can absolutely say top class brilliant Premier League player consistency yeah and I think I think that is an issue um so <laughs> I think it's pretty clear you, so yeah you Emery in or Emery out at this stage um I don't really want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> You've got splinters yeah. in your backside. Oh. <laughs> if you... Okay, I'll put it to you like this. If we were on the board right now, we're sat there, we're international break, we've just lost 2-0 to Leicester, let's just go back a couple of days. What are you doing? What am I doing? If you're in charge of the Arsenal board right now, what are you doing? Are you are you getting rid of Emery or are you, are you keeping him on? Okay. Honestly. Well... So yeah. everything considered, um, I'd certainly be looking for alternative options. And if um, <laughs> if there was, if there is someone out there that they genuinely think is going to be a right move for the team, mm. then certainly consider it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want us to just sack Emery and not have a without a contingency plan. In yeah. 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 That that makes I totally agree with that. Um. So would you be would you be supportive of the idea of a caretaker manager in, in the interim? Um, I, just to get that bounce, or is that too short time? Enough, I I personally th- well, you saw what happened with United when they got uh, uh, Ole and Solskjaer in. Um, well, they were a bit quick to give him the full time job. Yeah, bit bit <laughs> one um, ten games and, and gave him the um, job, and look what's happened. Yeah, and yeah, I don't really, I don't know whether that's the right route to go down, really. Um, what I think I would prefer is for us to scout our options um, and once we've cut it down to one or two people mm. um, then go for a permanent manager so you <laughs> how long do you leave it though how long do you leave it with Emery so you'd keep him in the job right now because what realistically you're saying the situation potentially is that Arsenal haven't found a replacement at this point. Uh, well, yeah, well, it's I, supp- I suppose. Let's presume. Let's presume they haven't found a long-term replacement for whatever reason at this point. Whether it's someone who's not interested in the job, or they just haven't struck a deal yet. Let's just say, for example, they haven't got a long-term replacement. The only option at this stage is short-term. You're you're keeping Emery, or you're getting rid of him. Um. Wow. Well. It's a difficult one, isn't it, really? It is. uh, because obviously you have got Freddie Lundberg, the assistant. Um, he's obviously going to be a... Potential a, a future manager. Potential manager, yeah. He's done, he's done well for the for the uh, academy sides as well. Um, so, yeah, you have got to look at him. But, again, he doesn't have that managerial experience. No. Um, my fear with that as well... I mean, so my opinion is... At this stage, Arsenal should have found an option, whether it be short-term or long-term. Yeah. I don't think it's working with Emery. I would have pulled the trigger on him probably before the Leicester game. Would have been harsh. But I I, I personally would have got rid of him by now. Uh, just because I just think this cannot go on any longer. I, I personally can't see the signs of improvement. I don't see what the team's doing. No. I don't see what the system is. There seems to be an air of confusion within the team. I, I, I personally would have got rid of him by now. 
Um, and it's harsh, and it is harsh given his record isn't horrendous overall when you take into account last season. Yeah. But we've been on mid-table form for over half a season now, and it is not good enough. We, we, my fear is that the longer we let this go on, it's only going to become worse. I mean, let's. What what can you imagine the reaction if we don't beat Southampton in the next game? Uh, well, would yeah, that be time South, up for you? Southampton at home. You've really got to be winning that game, haven't you? Uh, but especially the form as well. that they've been in. Yeah. yeah. Would okay. Let's. Would you Would you get rid of him if we fail to win that game? Okay. Yeah. Seeing it. Okay. Leicester have been good. Um, well, in that game, I thought we were playing quite well at the fir- as in the first half. We had and we phases. Quite, yeah, and we, had phases. we just we just capitulated when they scored. Yeah, um, and yeah, didn't seem to be want, wanting it, wanting to fight back. Um, it seemed like an acceptance that one nil down, we're going to lose game over. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. No, no. Yeah, if we don't beat Southampton, then um, yeah, I I think we should look for an alternative option mm. I always feel there's like a sense of entitlement as an Arsenal fan I know, I know we've been very very lucky to have Wenger in the glory years and I know I know you know it's before our time but there were times where it was rough and we were poor and we were mid-table but the level of expectation at Arsenal is what it is now those yeah. 22 years did happen <clears throat> we have been consistently qualifying for the top four that is the bar now. Yeah. that's the bare minimum that an Arsenal manager needs to be achieving and I just, I just, I really can't look past the poor performances recently, the run of form. I think once a team gets into that sort of hole, essentially, I don't, I don't, I don't see a way out of it at the moment. So I'm just going to throw a few names out there. If we were going to go down the short term option, obviously you've got Freddie Lundberg as a possibility. Yeah. Um, now, my only concern about him coming in is if he was to come in. And it didn't work, mm. and we didn't. The, the form didn't pick up. The results didn't improve. Has he then already ruined the chances of becoming an Arsenal manager in the future? Probably. Yeah, yeah, that is the risk. That's really, the worry, isn't, isn't it? it? And I think that is why I think the board are not sure about doing something like that. So if you if you had a, a the only other the only other option I thought of was Rafael Benitez. I know he's in China okay. on a big wage at the moment, but we saw how he came in at Chelsea and, and did a, a stopgap job for them that time. Yeah. Do you think someone like that could work? I just basically, what I feel is Unai Emery for me is not working. Yeah. Yes, we want a proper manager in place who's going to, you know, be there hopefully for the long, at least medium long term, you know, yeah. a couple of years and get us back to where we need to be. But at the moment, it's not working with Emery. We need to make a change. If it has to be short term, if it has to be a short term fix until the end of the season, that might be the only option. Yeah, well, if the for, if the form carries on that we are currently in, as you say, it works out that we will finish mid table, and um, that can't happen. We no, can't allow no that way. to happen. No, we'll lose our best players if that happens. We yeah. can't allow that to happen. So it, it it really does feel like make or break, doesn't it? I mean, you look at the fixtures coming up. We've got Southampton at home, Norwich away, Brighton at home, West Ham away. It really, really, for as club of Arsenal standards, that should be three or four wins, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively. If he yeah. fails to do that, or if, if worst case scenario, he loses and draws a couple each, that leaves us in such a bad situation. I just don't, I don't honestly think we can carry on from there. Uh, no, no. 
So it does feel like make or break for him, doesn't it, really? Even a board who's shown patience with him and sort of given the dreaded vote of confidence. Yeah, you always see that, don't you? <laughs> you always think, yeah, is that, is that, yeah, he's the right man for the job and three weeks later he's gone. Yeah. It does feel like that to me. That's the impression I get. It's the classic vote of confidence and, and there's been a few reports not really confirmed that he's got five or six games to save his job and I think it's about right. Yeah. If we're still languishing in mid-table by Christmas, it's, he's going to have to go. So what would you? who would you like to see come in? Okay, yeah, so we have had... There's been a load of names banded about. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, fa- the favourite currently is uh, Mourinho. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't think that that would be the route to go down. Um, he's obviously proven a proven manager. Um, yeah. But, as I say, we don't really want to go down that route. Um he does have a reputation of being negative um, and that's not really I don't, yeah I mean he's not been as good in his recent so sort of at Man United it didn't end too well did it I feel like Mourinho is if you take out the fact that he's um, had previous with Arsenal and Arsene Wenger mm. he's, he's a viable option in the short term if, if you were going to go for a short term fix yeah. I feel like he'd probably get us top four or at least challenging, or get us the Europa League. I feel like he's a viable option in the sense that we'd be more competitive, we'd be more defensively stable. Um, And, you know, this is purely talking, forgetting about the history he has with the club and and our dislike for him. I think he would be a viable option. I just don't think, I just don't think it can happen for the, you know, for the values of the club. Yeah. The, The history with Wenger, I just... And, and he's a divisive character I mean if people are divided over Emery who let's be clear he's a nice guy Emery isn't he yeah. it's not like I don't hate him I don't I have no personal is- issues with him he's a very friendly guy um, it, it's just it's just what he's producing on the pitch which is what, I, what I'm not happy about and, and I wish him well in the future if he does leave um, but if, if everyone's getting divided over Emery Christ knows what would happen if Mourinho came in you've already yeah. got some people saying great idea and other people saying absolutely no way so if there's, if there's infighting now <laughs> dread to think what would happen if Mourinho came to the club I just don't think it would go down well I just I think it'd be a really bad move but he is a favourite yeah so it would suggest that there's some some thought about that happening um, but yeah have you got any ideas over who you'd like who you'd like to see well not even who you'd like to see because I think there's options we'd like to see that aren't realistic yeah um Let's, okay, let's do that quickly. If, if in a dream world, obviously you'd have Klopp or Guardiola. Well, yeah, I do. Jurgen Klopp, I'm I think. Big, I'm a big fan of Jurgen Klopp. We are big Klopp, yeah. big Klopp fans. Um, talking slightly more realistic, I guess um, someone like Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. I feel like he'd be a good option. He got Hoffenheim into the top four um, at a very young age for the first time in their history. I think a few years ago, and he's obviously gone to Leipzig now and like. He's got Leipzig playing really attacking yeah, exciting yeah, football uh, they're in the Champions League He's they're second in Bundesliga at the moment level on points with Bayern Munich so I think in terms of long term if we could pick a really exciting guy someone like him yeah. I think would really lift the atmosphere yeah um, but who, who would you who would you opt for at this stage okay um, I do I have thought in the past I'm, I'm still not 100% sure because mm. Eddie Howe he's a young manager um, yeah 
he's, as I say, he hasn't really, well, he hasn't had a chance at a top club. Um, no. But he's done well for Bournemouth. Um, mm. Young, yeah, as I say, young manager. He's full of promise, uh, new ideas. They they play quite nice football. Good style of football, yeah. Um, yeah. He seems like a guy of authority there as well. I've seen a few sort of clips and not documentaries, but um, some some packages, TV packages on Eddie Howe, and he seems to be quite well respected at Bournemouth. He comes across as a really friendly, soft touch almost, doesn't he? But I think behind the scenes, he's a pretty serious hard guy and, and he's not messed around with so I think certainly he's a, a definitely an option I mean everyone seems to be quick to say oh no 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 he's never managed a big club it's a risk but I feel like any manager's a risk yeah of course the only well. guys you can sort of guarantee results with are guys that have already done it sort of you know the Guardiola's the Klopp's um, possibly a couple of other names you could throw I'm out there sure but like yeah, but even even that's not a guarantee, is it? I just no. think any manager's a risk. So, I, I, if if Arsenal pointed Eddie Howe, I don't think I'd be devastated. I think it would make sense. He's got Premier League experience. He's English. His communication would be better than Emery's for sure. Yeah, I think that's definitely. another issue at the moment. Emery's communication's clearly not great. Yeah, Maitland-Niles and Saka—they've come out and said I have to go through Freddie Lundberg to. To find out what he's asking me to do, I think that's a serious that's, issue. As yeah, well. it's not there. It's not what you want, is it? So yeah, Eddie Howe definitely. Uh, is there any other names you'd throw in the hat? Um, obviously, Brendan Rodgers is doing really well for Leicester, um, and he was uh, rumored. Rumors he was linked when Wenger left. When Wenger left, yeah. This one really annoys me because people turned his no- their noses up at Rodgers, didn't they? Yeah. Everyone sort of went, oh, I don't know. They forget he nearly won the title with a fairly average Liverpool team. Yeah, when you look back at what they've got They now. had Suarez, of course, um, yeah. but come on. You had yeah. Lucas Leiva playing in midfield, <laughs> a young Jordan Henderson. I mean, I mean, I know Henderson's an excellent player now, but at that time, they weren't... They Was it Sacco at centre-back? They weren't, yeah, they weren't a convincing squad, but he got them to within touching distance of a Premier League title, and but for the Gerrard slip, it could have been different, couldn't it? Yeah. So I absolutely agree. The things he's done, in, and this is what's so frustrating. Everyone's saying, give Emery time, give Emery time. Rodgers has been there since February. He's been at Leicester for nine months. He's gone in there and he's transformed it. Yeah. He'd gone stale under Claude Puel. They weren't playing attractive football. It was negative. The fans weren't happy. He's gone in there. He's lifted it. They're a really good, high-pressing, intense side. And <laughs> I think we missed the trick there. Yeah. Because Do you think even if, even if he... If we approached him, do you think he'd even consider it? That's now? exactly this what I was going to say. Um, what would you really want to leave Leicester, seeing as as like how well they are doing? The second is in the league he, at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is he really going to want to come to They're us? Above Man City. Yeah, he's it's... he's got a, he's got a good little. Even if it all sort of Unravels. dwindles away now, yeah, he's still got a. It's still they're still going to. Have a good finish. They're going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they, for the top four? Yeah. And I mean, that is, they're punching above their weight by achieving that. That's overachieving at Leicester. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sort of sixth, with their squad, they they were the squad that were pipped to be on the heels of the top six. Yeah. With United and Spurs underperforming and Arsenal clearly underperforming, they're, they're well within chance for the top four, aren't yeah. they now? So, yeah, <clears throat> it's definitely, um, definitely a viable option. The only other... Um, so everyone loves an ex-player don't they the idea of an ex-player and it's work for Lampard um, I think the, the most close option we have is obviously Patrick Vieira yeah club legend ex-captain proper leader 
and someone who does have managerial experience. Yeah, I think out of all the ex-players, he is probably the most likely in terms of someone who could come in and be a permanent manager as opposed to a short-term fix. Yeah. So I was actually looking through what he's achieved today. Um, he became the Man City reserve team coach in 2013. Um, and he actually interviewed for the Newcastle job uh, a couple of years later. Oh, okay. But he didn't get that. Um, I think it was a mutual decision. I don't. I don't think he was happy with what was being offered, and I don't think the club were happy happy with what he wanted. So he didn't get that job, and he went to New York City, who was a brand new MLS franchise, brand new MLS team. And in the first season there, he finished fourth, and he got them into the MLS Cup semi-finals, which in the first season is pretty impressive. Uh, and then there was a steady progression. The next year, they then finished second in the Eastern Conference, so second out of out of 10 or 11 teams in America so he had two what was considered really successful years in America and I know MLS is no barometer by which you can go but he then came to Nice in Liga in France and finished seventh last year which is a very decent finish yeah for a team like Nice um so I think if we're going to go down the route of ex-player he's probably the most likely man to come in and do that Certainly um, the most qualified. Yeah, the most experienced, the most qualified. Um, and I mean, Nice are 13th in the table at the moment, but they are only four points off the top four. They're closer to the top four than Arsenal are. So well, I know it's respective. There's not as, not as strong a league as Arsenal. Um, and obviously there would, be, there would be concerns over whether he's got what it takes at that level. But I think, I think he's certainly a guy that would lift the spirits, wouldn't it? And... You could just see what's what's happened at Chelsea with Lampard. Yeah. Who knows really at this stage how great a manager he is? We still don't really know. It's too early to say, isn't it? Yeah. But it's lifted. It's lifted Chelsea, isn't it? Having yeah, him around. Massively, massively. The they fans started don't get off, on. They didn't start off very well, but they've certainly picked themselves up, haven't they? Yeah, they've been on a great run, unbeaten in seven or eight games in the league now. I just feel like if we're not going to go for a tried and trusted option, I know. Someone like Allegri has been mentioned, you know, yeah. very resilient, organised manager. Would be a very sensible option if you can get someone of his stature to come in. Um, Luis Enrique has been mentioned. Not sure that would be a great option. He's not got a great record outside of Barcelona. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Anyone, well, okay, not anyone, but it's a, very a easy to be managers. a good manager at Barcelona. I just think we've got to talk about availability. I just think you've got to go for a manager who would realistically come to the club. And out of the top managers at the moment, really, Allegri is the best manager out there who's available, besides yeah. Mourinho. We're yeah. probably not going to go for Mourinho, for obvious reasons. So Allegri would be the next viable option. But if you're looking for something a bit different, I just feel Vieira actually makes sense. Yeah. And then you've got to go down the road of who's going to leave their current job, who is in a job. Mm. I think you could tempt Wenger. Uh, Wenger? Oh, God. <laughs> On the mind, eh? Should we bring Wenger back? Would you take Wenger till the end of the season? Oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe that. Wenger. God. No, I don't want Wenger back. <laughs> Just to clarify, I love Arsene. Thank you very much, Arsene. We love you. Greatest manager in the history. Um, but I don't think that would be the right move. No, I think Vieira is, is out of the non totally guaranteed options that to get you success sort of like an Allegri who you would assume would come in and make us hard to beat and 
and pushes back up the table. Yeah. Um, I feel like I just feel like Vieira would be a really sensible option. I actually think he's got good managerial experience, and then the fans love him, and I think you know that would be a good way to go. So before we uh, tie up the possible manager um, replacements, the only other one I wanted to quickly go over, um, and and on this point, it's not like there aren't a lot of options out there for us, is it really? Yeah, well, we complained before who would replace Wenger. I mean, it's sort of got to the case of anyone, but really, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but uh, what about Arteta? It's been linked very heavily. He was he was actually very close to becoming the manager when Wenger left. Yeah, yeah. Which at the time I thought probably wouldn't have been a good decision, um, but he has had an extra year also with uh, Guardiola. under Guardiola. Um, so you'd think that he's going to be learning a lot of things in in that role. Um, so again, it would be a risk because he hasn't hasn't managed at the top managed, level. Yeah, I think by all accounts, though, like we said, any job's a risk. Any any employment any any employment's a risk now. Yeah, who we bring in is going to be a risk because we're not in a good we're not in a good way. No. So we've got to take a punt on someone, haven't we? And I'm sort of at that stage. I know it sounds terrible. Any of those names we mentioned, bar Mourinho, if that was to be the employment, I don't think I'd be unhappy. I'd be, I'd be no. thinking, well, at least we're trying. You yeah. Know, at least we're trying to do something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna say we should bring in Vieira. Who are you saying we should bring in? If you had to say realistically. Realistically. I'd go Vieira personally. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do like Vieira. Um, I think he would be a good option, but galvanise the fans. Out of the options that we've discussed, well, even if there's another one we haven't said, probably. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is doing very well, so I'm going to go with Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, that would be very good. He might be tempted by coming to a so-called bigger club than Leicester. Yeah. Anyway, right. Less of the negativity. We're going to try and finish on a positive note. Um, just briefly then. So it's been a pretty disastrous season so far, to be fair. Um, but what have the positives been, Hayden? There have been some. There have yeah, been some. Yeah, definitely. I've got a few, but I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you make a few. Okay. Um, yeah, well, as, as we touched on uh, in the transfer window, we signed uh, Martinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, he's certainly been a bright spark. Uh yeah, it's looking good for the future with him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Obviously, we mentioned him at the beginning. What is it? What What have you seen that you like about Martinelli? Uh, th- what I like about him, obviously, he's got a, an eye for goal. Uh, he's good in the air. Um, but m- the main thing that I really like about him is his work rate. Uh, I, yeah, think I was just going to say his work rate is phenomenal, and he just he just has that passion and that desire, and he just seems to love playing football. And like you say, it's that classic South American forward that. You just know he just loves being there and he just wants to win, sort of at all costs. And some of the goals he scored this year, it's absolutely brilliant. I feel like he's a real all-round striker. He's he's had great finishes from outside the area, some great long-range efforts. He's had instinct finishes in the box. He's had goal poacher. He's had one of the best headers I've seen this season. Yeah. I mean, he is. I think he's going to be really top class. Um, and you just look at... I'm just looking back at the story I did earlier, earlier this month... Um, about how you know the sort of records he broke when he came in and it is absolutely incredible really isn't it when you look at it he became the first Arsenal player to score two or more goals the youngest Arsenal player to score two or more goals in a European match um, ahead of now Walcott 
and he um, his his record amongst Brazilians is pretty good as well. So he um, essentially is the at his age in his first four hundred minutes of action in Europe, he scored more goals than some of the great names like Gabriel Jesus at City, Rivaldo, Pato, Ronaldinho, Neymar, Robinho. They all scored less goals in their first four hundred minutes, which shows That's, the impact he's had. Yeah, certainly impressive. That shows the impact he's had to quickly. Be up there with those only names. only the Brazilian Ronaldo has, has had the same had the same record as him in their yeah. first games in Europe, which is. Some pretty impressive company to be keeping. Mm. And then obviously he was the first Arsenal player to score in his first four starts since Ian Wright. Wow. So, you you know, you're going back 28 years yeah. since we had a striker <laughs> who came in and had that impact. Um, and given how well Aubameyang's done, yeah. it just goes to show the levels. And I know, yes, he's playing Europa League and, 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 um, and League Cup, but I just think it's worth a mention. And then on the other positive notes, obviously we've got Kieran Tierney who's come in. Yeah, I yeah, think he's re- going to be good, isn't he? Yeah, I really like Tierney. Um, when we when we first signed, uh, we're thinking about signing him. Um, I, I wasn't hundred percent sure. I know he's always he's been a brilliant player at Celtic. Um, Hero the, there at the age of twenty-two. Well, yeah, but obviously the standard of yeah. the Scottish league, it's not amazing. Um, but he's certainly proved that he has got what it takes. I think early it, doors, I he's think. already shown. Yeah, he's going to be a real player, isn't he? Um, and then Joe Willock. Joe Willock, yeah, really like Joe Willock, full of energy. That's that's sometimes that is what we need in the midfield because, yeah. well, as as we've discussed, we, there isn't what what would the starting central midfield be? I think <laughs> I think Joe Willock is definitely he's a contender, should isn't be he? In there, His yeah. ability to get box to box, like you say, we don't want to heap pressure on these young lads, but yeah, give it a go. I mean, yeah. he, he he's shown the ability to get box to box. I know he's had some slightly disappointing games as well absolute banger at Anfield what yeah. a goal that was uh, didn't even talk about that game I think the less said the better really yeah. um, and then Bukayo Saka sort of stalled a little bit recently but he um, looks like he's going to be a useful player doesn't he yeah that well when he first well he kept first came on the scene of, of, uh, last season was it mm. um, but sort of in pre-season he really made the name for himself didn't yeah, he? yeah and then this season when he um, was given few chances he looked really good looked really yeah, really scored positive a really good goal at Frankfurt and yeah just sort of like that positive attitude I just think him Willock um, Martinelli Reese Nelson as well yeah I mentioned him Emil Smith-Rowe still coming back to fitness I just feel like we've if we can keep these guys together and bring in a few quality experienced players or keep our experienced quality players around them I think we you know it seems like we're forever saying this at Arsenal but with the right manager and the right setup, the future is the future is Right. Yeah. I just feel like I'm on repeat when I say that. <laughs> anyway, so there have been some positives, albeit mm. limited, um, and albeit mainly youth. But you know, at least we've got something to shout about. And of course, there is always the positive of a of a Bamiyang. <laughs> well, a Bamiyang is world class, isn't he? Absolutely love him. Absolutely, love him. absolutely brilliant player. Bit worried about all the supposed controver- controversy surrounding him. Um, since he was made captain. Yeah. Don't know if you've seen this. Yeah. The TV links and his yeah. relationship with troops. Personally, I don't, I don't really have a problem with him having a friend. No. Regardless of what they represent or who they are. If, if they get on well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get the issue there. I think we're really creating something out of nothing. 
and 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 potentially upsetting by far the best player at the club. Yeah. By far, but one of the only what I would call current world class players at the club, if yeah. not the only world class player at the club at the moment. Yeah, well, I'd have to agree on that. One. I just don't understand why we'd upset him. I think <clears throat> he's an absolute class and he's pivotal. Um, so <laughs> we're going to finish on a, a slightly uh, historical note. Yeah. Um, we did leave it far too late to put out about anyone who had some questions or topics of discussion. Someone did mention David Luiz. Um, I think we kind of touched upon that earlier, so we won't go over that. But Josh Stark did ask us to, just for a laugh, name our all-time Arsenal eleven. Um, I don't know if you've had some time to ponder this one. I know this is almost impossible. And we'll have to probably go based on what we've seen as Arsenal fans yeah, uh, yeah. in our Being lifetime. Rel- or, relatively, or relatively yeah. modern history. So. Apologies to the older listeners out there because um, this is probably going to be a fairly modern-ish <laughs> Arsenal lineup. Um, I'll let you go first. You want me to say the whole team or just? Should we go goalkeeper? Should we go goalkeeper each. Yeah. Right? yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, personally, um, growing up, I think the best goalkeeper that we've had ever has to be David Seaman. Well, we agree on that one. So, absolutely. I mean, you can throw a few other names in there. Um, I think probably the most recent one we could throw in there really is Jens Lehmann. Yeah. Obviously the goalkeeper for the Invincibles team, but I think for stability um, and and consistency and longevity, I think Seaman, absolutely outstanding. And I'll never forget that save against Sheffield United um, in the FA Cup semi-final. One of the greatest saves I've seen. So yeah, yeah. I think we'd have to agree with Seaman in goal. Uh, right back. I'm assuming we're playing four at the back. Yeah, I think yeah. I think four at the back. Yeah. But um, well, I'm not too sure about a right back. It's a difficult one. It is a very difficult one. So you've got Lauren the Invincibles, Lee um, Dixon, Lee Dixon. Yeah, I think they're the two um, main. Even Zachary San- Sanya, Sanya, he was he, he was good. good, wasn't he? I um, think we, we, when he says all time Arsenal eleven, it's more <laughs> last twenty five thirty years <laughs> because I know there'll be people Pat screaming, Rice. yeah, <laughs> screaming at um, some of the great fullbacks we've had. But I didn't see them play, so I can't. You know, I've seen clips and highlights, but I can't base my no. judgment on that. I have to base it on what I've seen over the years. It's between Lauren and Dixon. I think purely because Dixon was an out and out right back. Um, and Lauren was oh, that's harsh though isn't it Lauren was moulded into a right back but he was brilliant mm. and he really offered a lot going forward yeah a very powerful presence and he was versatile it's between Lauren and Dixon yeah. <laughs> um, well pure, I think purely because Lauren was the right the back invincible. in the Invincibles let's yeah. go Lauren at right back then centre back <laughs> I've pretty much got these two. Yeah. Adams I've, and Campbell. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly what <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking. You could probably you contend with maybe Colo Torre, possibly. Martin Keown. Yeah. He's very good. Koscielny um, cost himself that accolade. Yeah. With his high profile errors and manner in which he left the club. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that is up for dispute. Tony Adams, Mr. Arsenal, and Sol Campbell, just one of the greatest centre backs in English history. Yeah. Um, left back don't think there's a contest really is there as no, much as no we one's going like to like him. it it's Ashley Cole isn't it it's got <laughs> yeah. to be Ashley Cole um, we might have just written the Invincibles down no no we've got Adams in there we've got Seaman in there but yeah I mean those three at the back I mean oh what a defence oh god the memories <laughs> Ashley Cole is just one of the greatest left backs in the history of football really yeah. let alone England let alone Arsenal I mean absolutely undisputable anyone who wants to tell me otherwise 
What are we doing then? Are we playing three up front? Or yeah, well, that's what I'm... This is almost impossible. Right, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go very attacking. Okay. I'm going to play... A f- I'm sort of playing a 4-4-2, but in a diamond. Yeah. So holding... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the central midfielders and the attackers and leave the wingers to last. Okay. I'm going to go Patrick Vieira in midfield. Yeah. As the deep-lying midfielder, but obviously can join the attacks. In the in the hole in front, I'm going Burkamp. Yeah, of course. And I think I know who you're going to put as the strikers. <laughs> who? Thierry Henry and Ian Wright. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't see how any of those four players are up for dispute. Yeah. I mean, captain of the Invincibles, a lot after Adams, one of the best captains we've ever had at Arsenal. Absolute powerhouse in midfield, Patrick Vieira. Dennis Burkamp's my all-time favourite player. Magic. Absolute class. And Omri, out-and-out goal scorer. Yeah, Omri and Wright. Ian Wright, out-and-out goal scorer. Scorer of all so, kind yeah. of goals. <laughs> Can you imagine Burkamp feeding those two? What a team <laughs> that would be. So, can we agree on that then? Have you got any I would certainly agree who, with that. Who, um, would you, who would you say would be fighting for a place there? Okay. Um, Van Persie? Well, I know we don't, you know, <laughs> didn't end well, but it's he was, always, yeah, he was a very, there. very good player, of course. And Quite but if you prone. want, if you want to go with the current crop of players, Aubameyang is probably within with a shout. Yeah. Um, I think by the end of his Arsenal career, we might look back and say, "Do you know what? He's up there with those with those two for his his goal <laughs> output." You know, yeah. sort of goals per game and, and what he brings to the side um, there's so many Fabregas Cliff Baston <laughs> <laughs> yeah remember him well um, <laughs> yeah Petty was there for so briefly wasn't there for long enough was he um, yeah did you touch did you say Fabregas Fabregas yeah, yeah. yeah. my dad loved Liam Brady um, but again I didn't see enough of him so Gilberto Silva Gilberto Silva was so good in that team um, Ray Parler I know he played out on the right as well, but mm. could do a job in central midfield. All right, okay. So we've got to we've got to choose a right and left winger. On the left, I know who I'm going with. I think I know who you're going to go with. Um, go on, <laughs> Pires. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty much the Invincibles with Wright and Adams, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just absolute magical player. Really was absolutely loved Robert Pires. Um. I guess who else really? Well, <laughs> I just for me a lot of these things aren't really up for debate because it's based on recent history. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd like to try and be a bit different and not so Freddie Lundberg, but um, what on the right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so hard to look past it given what they achieved in their time. Look, you've got to throw in options in there. David Rowcastle back in his day was absolutely phenomenal. And we forgot about Alan Smith up front. Yeah, he was brilliant. Paul Merson was a great. Great player in that role. Look, we, we're very lucky to have been blessed. And then you go further back, the likes of Charlie George. I mean, we've all seen the videos. Yeah. What a player. But we've really got to pick our 11 based on what we know and what we could trust. Um, so it's a very attacking lineup. I think, you know, if, if we were going to have to have a slightly more defensive setup, who would. Who would you swap out? Let's say you put Omri and Burkamp up front, or drop Burkamp to the bench, or drop one of those front three to the bench. Who would be your sort of other central midfielder? Um, another central midfielder. Um, well, 
if Vieira's a bit more defensive, Fabregas. Uh, it's got to be Fabregas. Fabregas, I think, in terms of technically gifted, natural on the ball, he's one of the best central midfielders. Although I have got another one to throw in, maybe Santi Cazorla. Oh yeah, technical ability, mm. absolutely world class. Okay, well, I think I think we've we've given honourable mentions to Cesc Fabregas and Santi Cazorla. David Rowcastle, Charlie George, <laughs> Cliff Bastin, obviously, uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. But this is our this is our Arsenal all time eleven. So we've got David Seaman in goal, back four of Lauren Adams, Campbell, and Cole, midfield of Lundberg, Vieira holding, Burkamp in the ten, and Perez on the left, and then Thierry Henry and Ian right up front. Yeah, I think that would uh, score a few goals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Adams would be particularly happy about the defensive work rate from from, <laughs> from all but Patrick, but um, I would say that team would probably play most teams off the pitch in its in its prime. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that pretty much rounds us up for the first ever Arsenal Times podcast. Um, thanks for coming on, Hayden. Uh, it was been, my my pleasure. Um, very enjoyable. I know you were a bit. Uh, questioning yourself on this <laughs> you think I'm not sure if I'm going to be up to, up to standard but I think you've been really good thank um, you very much yeah really been, enjoyed it been really, really good thanks very much um, right. and yeah I certainly hope to be on again in the future cool speak to you soon thanks see you all later and just very quickly how could we end the podcast without a quick prediction ahead of the Southampton game after the international break and just quickly Hayden your predictions for the Southampton game coming up after the international break yeah, so, well, as we've touched on, our form hasn't been brilliant. Um, so I'm going to be... I don't like to be negative, so I'm going to be... Ever the optimist. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Arsenal. Um, I think we will concede because we have been so shaky at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a realistic scoreline. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I want to be positive. I want to see. I want us to beat Southampton yeah. at home. Surely, you're so positive that you're going for a two-one <laughs> win against a team that lost nine nil. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm really struggling to be positive. Same as you, but I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go. Oh, I was going to go two-one. I'm going to go for a really uninspiring, uninvigorating really dull 1-0 win <laughs> one, you, okay. that's going to leave everyone feeling completely deflated um, and not change anyone's opinion whatsoever so please you know Emery prove me wrong <laughs> um, I just yeah I just I, I don't think Southampton as bad as everyone makes out they didn't do too badly at the Etihad yeah no, um, no and I just think Arsenal are just insipid at the moment because of the way they set up um, I really hope I'm wrong and I hope we thrash them 3 or 4-0 but with the way things are going, I can't see it happening. So I'm going to go. I was going to go two one because we always concede, but yeah. I'm going to have faith um, that we're going to grind out a clean sheet for once. Um, <laughs> probably concede twenty shots against us, but, <laughs> but get the clean sheet. Uh, I'm going to go one nil then. One nil. Okay. Two one. Two one. Thank you for listening to the Arsenal Times podcast. Remember you can read the latest Arsenal news on the website arsenaltimes.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you again for listening and until next time, goodbye.